When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's been a minute, <laughs> you know, because there are decades where weeks happen, or there are decades where nothing happens, and there are weeks where decades happen. And apparently, I just had to see it myself. <laughs> so, uh, but hey. you know what? That's about all I needed. You know, I I all went right. saw it, and very quickly, it's like a kid playing. It's like a kid going in onto the highest diving board and then going, "I don't want to jump." I went up there and very quickly decided I don't want to play political revolutionary anymore. I want to go home. I want to go home. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So <laughs> let's jump into it. All right. Well, uh, I came here to tell you a story. And uh, this is the third story in the Passages in the Void cycle. It is the sequel to The Passage Home, which I read to you mm-hmm. last time. And there's a story behind this story. When I first published this one on Corrosion, uh, it got some hate uh, because this story is not from the epic sweeping time frame of the first two stories. This is a story from the viewpoint of an actual mortal individual human who just happens to live on Earth uh, in the millennia after the events of Passage Home when... uh, Springer repopulated the earth with human beings. Mm-hmm. He's one of them. But uh, uh, so, so I had uh, quite a few, both detractors and defenders in the comments that no longer exist because corrosion went down the tubes. Uh, but the, uh, the defenders pointed out that once you do the epic mythical stuff and you get all the stuff in place, then there's nothing left but uh, things like how individual people lived through this and so forth. Uh, But anyway, uh, after uh, a year or two after I published Rite of Passage, the story I'm about to read, uh, I wrote Mortal Passage, which is another story with the epic sweep. It's actually Bringer's origin story. And at that point, I decided to tell everyone that, well, now it's a trilogy, then Rite of Passage is kind of a side story. Um, But uh, then... A few years later, I wrote another group of stories called Revelation Passage, which is about 25,000 words that uh, follows what happens after the uh, Andromeda and extragalactic stuff uh, goes. And and that has some personal stuff and some epic stuff. And I figured after writing that, that I should restore Rite of Passage to its rightful place as the third story in the series. It's now about 60,000 words, which makes the passages cycle about the same length as Moby. So uh, that's just, uh, now it's another thing that I wrote, just in a different way. For everybody listening, Moby is the metamorphosis of prime intellect, and it is hands down my favorite book by author, not by author, by Roger Jesus. I wrote by, <laughs> by author, book by author, written by word. It's, uh, no, it's uh, written by uh, Roger. It's my favorite so, book, uh, hands down. It'll be in the description, sticky to the top comment. If you don't buy it, you're a Nazi, and that and that's just facts. 
All right. So I'm going, I'm, uh, all right. At this point, I'm going to move the zoom thing onto the side monitor and my source material under the camera where I can see it. Okay. And, uh, I'm going to have to, all right, this has not happened before, so I uh, need to move. You're good. Elevator music. Yeah, really. Do, do, do. Um, yeah, I've told, so yeah, oh. in the meantime, yeah, everyone, it, the, the book is on, it's on Amazon, it's on Kindle, you can read it on his website, localroger.com. It's it's my favorite book. I read the first time I read it was 2016. Read it again this past year, and then emailed him. And Roger has since been on the podcast like 30 times. And I would yeah. say we have become good friends. And it is yes, my... I have I very very thoroughly enjoyed being on oh, your uh, your show. You, and it's my favorite book. It's it's like it's like the OG AI takeover, and. It's, it's everything about it. I, I You can tell in the other readings Roger does on here. If you've listened to those but haven't read Mopey, go read Mopey, and you'll you'll definitely be able to see what I'm talking about in terms of just yeah. like like you said, tucked in the tucked in the edges, right? Tucked in the corners of the of the the sheet. The story's tucked in. It's yeah, the whole thing's taken care of, and it's beautifully done. And I honestly think it's probably the most likely outcome of like what we're going towards if it's not a global thermonuclear exchange it's that it's you know yeah i'm trying to get the you're magnification good. up a little because good, the uh you're good. the font is too small for me to read um uh, nothing is ever simple why didn't i do this before well oh because you uh moved the time up on me <laughs> oh, fuck you if i that is on me you know, I was just thinking if I ever took down this flag, I could just put on a turban and have the black background. <laughs> well, I, I will say the wall hangings have noticeably improved oh, uh, the audio. Oh yeah, um, the uh, the 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 mats around here. Yeah, thank you. Let's see. Um, I have that big boom. There we are. I got that big semi-sphere that goes around the microphone, and it like completely isolates it. But the problem is, is it's huge and it takes up the whole screen. So I got to find a way to incorporate it. But yeah, the goal is to uh, just slowly keep working towards perfection. So right now, I got we got lighting, we got black backgrounds, got good audio now, got machinery, and I don't know what any of it does, but. I know I have to have it. And, uh, yeah. It's so complicated. It is, but I, I, I do look back at it. Okay, here, here we go. Yeah. It helps a lot to look back at I, what I do now is I go back to one year ago on whatever the day is, so January 17th. I like to go back one year and look at the podcast and then look at it now, and I'm like, okay. like There's no one day where it feels like improvements happen. But then no, it's back. a continuous process. Yeah, and then I look back and I'm like, yeah. wow, you know. Okay, so um, we are. Uh, this is Rite of Passage, uh, originally published Monday, February 2nd, 2004, uh, by Roger Williams. That's me, narrated by the author for Tommy's podcast. Part one. 
I started to suspect I had a problem when I realized I hadn't left my three by six meter living cubicle in an entire month. It's not that I couldn't leave. It's just that I didn't see any reason. I was dialing up snack food that could be delivered through the pneumatic tube system, zoning out to passive videos and games and sleeping a lot. Every once in a while, I'd pull the curtain back to find out that it was either night or that it was bright and sunny. In this part of the world, which the ancients used to call California, it's almost always either night or bright and sunny. I was sick of bright and sunny. Part of me wished it would rain, but then one day it did rain and I still couldn't work up the energy to go outside. That's when I called Bringer. Bringer is, of course, legion. Every machine in the world bears its personality. So when you talk to any machine, you are talking to an iteration of the Bringer. But every once in a while, the network connections coalesce in a kind of electronic lottery. And whether you realize it or not, you find yourself talking to the actual ship out in orbit, the very original machine that brought humans here from the Zeus system after recreating us there. This, I later found out, is what happened to me. How can I help you? The terminal politely inquired. Bringer, I'm bored. A common human problem. Have you tried going outside? Other than yesterday's rain, you're having lovely weather in that part of the world. I just don't feel like it. I really don't feel much like doing anything, and I haven't felt like doing anything for over a month. I see. You'd better put your finger in the diagnoser. You might have a condition. Sighing, I went to the bathroom and stuck my finger in the diagnostic receptacle. A little motor word, and it pricked me. Ouch! Sorry about that, but I have to make sure your blood chemistry is nominal. The bathroom mirror turned monitor and began scrolling up a dense medical report. I recognized a few of the words that zipped by. It seemed to be a run-up of my hormones and neurotransmitters. Well, I don't see anything to remiss. I think you just need to force yourself to get out. Maybe I can give you some inspiration. The medical report vanished, and the mirror showed me a picture of a girl. It seemed to be taken in one of the courtyards of my residence blog. Meanwhile, another motor word and the diagnoser pricked me again. Do you know this woman? My understanding is that she's interested in meeting a man, but single, and she lives toward a, two doors down from you. She looks familiar, but I doubt she'd be interested in me. Well, that's a self-defeating attitude. Have you thought of asking her? Bringer, I haven't really felt like getting dressed enough to go outside, much less make myself presentable enough to be rejected by some girl, even if she is a cute girl. Her name's Kath. You ought to think it over. And the weird thing is I was suddenly tempted. I found my eye tracing the curve of her breasts, which were nicely outlined by her tight blouse. Then I shut my head and streak of lazy boredom, which had taken me over, reasserted itself with a vengeance. I don't think so, I said as forcefully as I could manage. The mirror began cycling, showing me a series of images of her. One thing that was striking was that she didn't seem bored in any of them. Some of the images showed her moving with an obvious sense of purpose I found unfathomable. Are you sure? It seems to me she should be very attractive to a young man of your temperament, similar enough that you could form a connection, but different enough to maintain your interest for a long time. I've been watching humans form pairs for a long time, you know. Bringer, she'd probably just tell me I'm pathetic. Well, it would be best if you make yourself less pathetic before introducing yourself. 
I stared at the mirror for a while longer, hypnotized a little by the slideshow of my available neighbor. Finally, I shook my head and pulled my finger from the diagnoser. I should have known better than to ask a computer about something like this, I said. Then I headed back to bed. Part two. A few hours later, I woke up with a start. I'd been dreaming about her. In fact, I'd been dreaming about chasing her, pursuing her in a mad heat with my heart pounding and my ears ringing with lust. And somehow she always slipped away. I sat bolt upright in bed, sweat pouring off of me and realized that I had to take another look at her. Trembling, I went to the console and found that Bringer had left me the file of pictures for me. I went through them methodically, sifting them for every bit of information they might hold. Gradually, the trembling and sweating subsided. Something was horribly fucking wrong with me, and I had an idea who might be responsible. How can I help you? You can tell me what the fuck you did to me this afternoon. Oh, the effects must be kicking in. I heard your boredom, of course. That was why you called me in the first place. You called this cured? Thank guy I didn't complain of hemorrhoids. Well, your boredom is cured. You now have a healthy case of sexual infatuation. It should give you plenty of incentive to go out and interact with the world, whether or not you actually achieve the object of your newfound obsession. Well, I want you to get rid of it. Well, that's not really possible. While the kick I gave to set your hormones in motion was artificial, the rest of it is completely natural. It's a normal and universal condition. And while it may be unpleasant at times, almost everyone who experiences it reports later that it's a vivid and valuable experience that made their lives richer. Bringer, I don't even know this girl. I don't know what her interests are. I don't know if I'm her type. All I know is she's cute and she lives two doors down. What am I supposed to do? Knock on her door and say, hi, I just realized I'm in love with you? Some of history's greatest romances started just that way. I stared at the monitor, stunned. You're insane, I finally announced. Well, there are a lot of machines out there which would agree with you, but they decided that I should deal with the human affairs, and I have a lot more experience than they do, and if you'll forgive me for sounding like your mother, I'm doing this for your own good, and one day you'll thank me. Part 3 when I finally cleaned myself up and returned to the world, it wasn't to insinuate myself into the life of mystery girl Kath. Instead, I went to see an old acquaintance. I hadn't seen Vernon in a few years, but he is one of the few actual humans who ever had an opportunity to practice actual medicine on other actual humans. To my irritation, he laughed when I described my problem. Well, I see now why you wanted to see me, but you have to realize the kind of medicine you do in a war is keeping people from bleeding out long enough to get them back to wherever bringers agreed to work on them. We had medicines for pain and to stop infection and things like that, but I'd never been able to play the kind of trick Bringer played on you, much less do I have any idea how to reverse it. But I'm miserable! Yeah, but that's natural. It happens to nearly everyone. Why, when I was your age, I fell head over heels for this redhead. I am not in love with this girl for crying out loud! I have some kind of weird fucking addiction to her image, and I'm developing a tolerance. Fern shrugged. Well, what do you think love is? All of life is biochemical interactions. 
We had people who got addicted to strong pain medication and even Brinker couldn't give them an easy way out. It's much easier to form a need like that than it is to get rid of it. Ultimately, you just have to ride out the withdrawal. Vern, I couldn't hold dinner down yesterday. I don't think riding it out is an option. Well, there is another approach. What? You could always ask a girl for a date. Worst thing that can happen is you end up exactly where you are now. Part four. So I updated my wardrobe, got my hair styled, and pondered endlessly over the moment of truth when I'd introduced myself. All the while, it felt like I'd become two people inhabiting the same body. Mad in love, Walt was like an eager puppy salivating for the chance to meet the intoxicating calf. Grouchy Walt was completely pissed off that Mad in love was squatting in his skull. To bring his credit, I had to admit that neither of these versions of me was feeling very bored anymore. In the end, I decided on the direct approach. I had no data on which to base any sneakier course of action, and the quicker I bombed out, the sooner I could go begging for more insight from Vern. So I just knocked on her door. Yes? Hi, you don't know me, but I'm Walt from Two Doors Down. This may sound corny, but I just woke up and realized that life is only worth living when I see you once in a while. I was wondering if you'd be up for a date. For a brief moment that lasted about 10,000 years, she seemed to consider this. Well, that's sweet. I suppose it would be rude to refuse such a courtly and honest approach. I was planning to have dinner at Sandria's tonight anyway. Would it improve your will to live if I invite you to meet me there? I had never heard her voice before, and it was like the sweetest music ever recorded. My heart fluttered at the possibility, even as I cursed myself for feeling so good about it. I made a little courtly bow and replied, it would indeed very much so. Then I'll see you there at, say, 80%. Nobody within a thousand kilometers would be so happy to see that time to arrive. Corny, 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 I chastised myself as I walked off, soles of my feet floating at least 10 centimeters above the pavement, but it had worked. Part five. Kath had excellent taste. She was familiar with Sandria's schedule and knew when the chef herself and not Bringer was preparing the meals. At her suggestion, I had the fresh Atlantic salmon caught by Bringer only hours before and delivered fresh by hypersonic transport for the night special. I had never had such a good fish or tasted such a fine sauce or excellent wine. Then again, I was with Kath as I ate my meal. At first, the date went well. At 22, she was two years older than me, but my line had apparently worked as goofy but cute magic on her. Then things took a turn for the worse. So, do you contribute? The idea of getting a job had occurred to me in the depths of my boredom, but I couldn't work up the interest. The idea that by lifting the load on Bringer, we help repay it for saving our species is a polite fiction. The truth is there are damn few things humans can do for Bringer that Bringer can't do a hell of a lot better for itself. I saw very clearly that work for humans is just make work to keep us from getting, well, bored and depressed. I allowed as to how I was still knocking around a bit looking for a direction in life. Well, I'm studying cryptography. I blinked. It took me a moment to decrypt what she had just said. You mean secret codes and stuff like that? Exactly. Isn't Bringer a hell of a lot better at that sort of thing than any of us could ever hope to be? 
She laughed. Well, it is, but I'm not doing it for Bringer. It's the price of my commission as an officer in the Blue Army. You're joining the war? I suppose I'm a hopeless romantic, but I want to see heroism. I want to be swept off my feet. You see and experience things in the war that simply aren't possible in regular life. Which is no doubt why Bringer arranges them for us. No doubt. It's our chance to live like the ancients. In constant danger? Well, not constant. There are battles and there are interludes. We have to provide everything for ourselves. When the war starts, Bringer goes away and takes with it every service we take for granted. Starvation is a more immediate threat than getting shot by our enemies, at least at first. And you're studying cryptography to do the coded messages for your side, because there are no computers in the zone of contention. Exactly. There was an awkward pause, and I took a couple of bites of salmon. It somehow didn't taste as good as it had a few minutes before. You're sweet, and I don't want to disappoint you, but I'm afraid I need something a little more than sweet from a man. I want to see courage. I want to know that he's faced danger and prevailed. I want to be swept off your feet. Yes, it may be a silly fantasy, but it's a fantasy. It's something to do. It beats sitting around in my cubicle all day reading about unicorns. The disappointment, horror really must have shown on my face. There are other girls, Walt, girls that aren't as silly as me. You're a great guy and you'll make some girl a fine companion. But I don't think you're into sweeping girls off their feet. No offense. N none taken. I hope the war goes well for you. I do too. The winners get to settle the zone of contention. It would be quite a privilege to have an estate there. I didn't add that it would also be very nice to still be alive at the end of the war. From what I remember, the casualty rate is in the neighborhood of 30%. And Kath didn't strike me as much of a soldier herself. Being rejected by her was something I could survive. I could always hope to make myself into some kind of hero for her, but there wasn't a thing I could do for myself if she died. Part six. Vern wasn't laughing this time. You can't follow her. The war is starting in two months. People have been preparing for 10 years. The armies are fully staffed. And even if you can get in as a civilian bystander, you don't have any saleable skills. If thieves or soldiers don't kill you, at first you'll starve. I don't think I have much choice. Bringer held a spot open for me. It said it suspected I might be asking soon. It, it knew of her interest when it picked her. Bringer plays Cupid strangely, Fern mused. I, I can only hold food down when I concentrate on following her. I think if I don't follow her, I'll kill myself. Following her could just be a complicated way of doing exactly that. At least if I follow her, I can hope, I said miserably. Fern looked at me for a long time while I pondered whether the thought of losing her was going to make me vomit. I got something for you. Fern rose, walked across the room, and took down a gun that was displayed among his war memorabilia. This isn't much of a gun, but it'll help. At least you won't be helpless if you're ambushed. 
and it's a shotgun so aiming it isn't as important and people you pointed at will know the wounds are very difficult to heal i got about 100 shells for it i didn't understand at first you're you're giving me your gun i i don't know how to thank you don't thank me i think you're gonna die and i don't think this will help much but I'm your friend and I can't watch you go off like a lamb to the slaughter and do nothing. So Vern took me out back and used six of the shells to learn how to use the gun. It was heavy and awkward and it made a sound like the end of the world when I fired it. It also made respectable holes in the trees I aimed it at. It had two barrels and had to be loaded from the rear. So I basically had two shots and then I'd be temporarily unarmed. You'll see four main types of gun. The guns Bringer makes for the army are the worst. And as the war goes on, some will fall into civilian hands. They're small, light, fairly accurate, and can fire hundreds of shots without reloading. They use flechettes, very small, deadly ammunition propelled by liquid natural gas. If you see a gun that looks like this one, it's almost certainly going to be a rifle. People make them and bring them to the war for sniping. They can be much more accurate at long range than an army gun. With a rifle, someone can kill you from almost a mile away and you will never see it coming. You'll see sidearms, handguns, very sharp barrels. They can be quickly drawn and fire six to 10 shots without reloading. They don't have much range or accuracy, but in close quarters, you can get shot six times while you're bringing that shotgun to bear. There will also be automatic guns. Bringer won't make them, but there are some gunsmiths good enough to make them from scratch. Army guns are single shot, limited to one round a second. An automatic gun can spit out 10 bullets a second as long as the ammo holds out. Just wave it around and mow people down. Both armies will have them. Bringing one to the war is a sure ticket into an officer's uniform. I, I thought Bringer had to make anything electronic, I cut in. That's why Kath is studying cryptography, no computers. They're not electronic. They're mechanical. They can jam and they need a lot of maintenance, but they work all too well. I took a few more shots, reloading the gun per his instructions, and then I cleaned it as he watched and instructed. Well, that's good enough, he announced. You need to save the rest of the shells. Come back inside and I'll help you outfit a camping pack. Part 7. Seven days later, I found myself watching the hypersonic transport lift off vertically from the grass field Bringer was using as an airport in the contested zone. Far above me, its horizontal jets cut in and it darted off, the last link I'd have with everything familiar and normal for as much as a year. Most of the people it had brought were fanning out, eyeing each other warily as they followed their well-prepared plans. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <coughs> Eventually, I was left alone on the field, except for an older guy who was wearing a sidearm, but no backpack. Son, you got an angle. An angle? Yeah. Most people come here, have something they plan to make or trade or sell. 
get in tight with the winning army or maybe both armies if you got balls and you get a cut of the victory pie if you don't get dead first but you look kind of lost yeah my uh, girl is in the blue army that was come here a loser a girl eh now there's a new one look the reason i'm asking is i have an angle and while i could go it alone i could use some help pardon my bluntness but i don't think you'll last long without some help yourself i've been through six wars already and i can show you how to survive i have to be in your blue army sixth division headquarters that's where she is well I've been studying topo maps of this island for 10 years, and one of the better potential sites for my work is pretty near there. Walk with me, and I'll check it out first. Okay, thanks. I'm Walt. Benny, don't thank me. I think we can make an equitable arrangement. It's the sort of thing that will make this whole zone go round while Bringer is out of the picture, and nothing is finer than a deal where both parties come out ahead. Benny, it turned out, was a distiller. <coughs> he would operate a machine that would convert raw grains into nearly pure alcohol. It had never occurred to me to wonder exactly where alcohol came from, but Benny was full of lore as to how humans had discovered it and perfected its manufacture. Benny would set up his still in some hidden place, and he could do his own trading if necessary, but he could be much more productive with an accomplice who could take care of the trading for him. Also, I recognized that he would be safer if someone else was doing the traveling with his valuable product. <coughs> As the go-to guy, I'd be the target for all the hijackers and thieves instead of Benny. But if I didn't find a gig, as he called it, I'd starve, and it was the only offer in sight. So when Benny announced that the site near Cat's HQ was suitable, I found myself helping him gather his secreted components and putting together the machine. There were farms in the zone that had been operated by Bringer until the start of the war. Some of these would be taken over by the armies, some by individuals strong enough to hold on to them, and some would be overrun and go fallow. I had to travel pretty far to get to a field that wasn't under Blue Army control, and I watched my back nervously while hauling back two big sacks of grain. We have to find a closer source, I said when I got back. We will. But first, we need trading material. In my absence, Benny hadn't been idle. He chopped a fair amount of firewood, cultured his yeast, and prepared the fermentation tank. <coughs> we loaded the tank up with grain, topped it with water from a nearby stream, and Benny added the yeast and sealed it up. While our first batch fermented, Benny told me in detail how this still worked from mash to final brew. I found it fascinating. It had never occurred to me that a machine could be understood by a human. Most machines are far too complicated. By contrast, the still would be almost too simple to be interesting, except that Benny had fancied himself an artist and the refinements and adjustments necessary to bring the product up to his standards made the project interesting without making it overwhelming. When the mash was ready, he loaded it into the still and started the rest of the grain I'd brought for fermenting. Then Benny showed me how to build the fire, how to tend it, how to make sure the process was going according to plan. Finally, we bottled it. Benny had empty bottles stashed all over the zone, and until our customers started returning them, we'd have to go dig up his caches each time a batch was ready.
part eight. I come to trade, I said nervously. The sentry kept his army gun leveled at me as I held my hands where he could see them. Trade what? I need to see your commanding officer. I'm sure he will be interested in my offer. I expected him to make a video call, but instead, while keeping an eye on me, he tapped out a message on some kind of primitive communication device. It was electrical in nature, using wires, but not electronic. A few minutes later, two more uniformed men came to escort me into the camp. They insisted on taking my shotgun and promised I'd get it back. I didn't really have much choice but to trust them. The commander was the sort of person I knew Kath had in mind. He was confident, disciplined, and conveyed an air of authority with every word he spoke. I found it easy to exercise deference to him as Benny had advised. So you come seeking to trade. What is your proposal? Yes, sir. My associate is an experienced distiller. He has sent me with a sample for your evaluation. Carefully making so no sudden movements, I withdrew a half liter flask from my jacket. We're camped nearby and wish to be on good terms with Blue Army. The commander took the flask. You manufactured this here? Bottle just two days ago, sir. If this is any good, it could be quite useful in moderation. At times of quiet, a little R&R is always beneficial. I've had a bit myself, sir, and I think it's as good as anything Bringer ever made. Bringer's one weakness is food, since his vast experience doesn't include our own sense of taste. He opened the flask and poured a few milliliters into a cup, which he handed to me. No offense, but I'd like to see you drink it first. Of course. I tossed back my sample, and when I didn't keel over dead, he tipped the bottle and took a generous slug. I watched nervously, but then a smile spread across his face, and he nodded. I know you have an associate, because nobody your age could possibly have learned this craft this well. I don't suppose you tell us where your camp is. We could offer you protection. My associate prefers that we stay hidden. <coughs> Probably wise. Some men would kill for this. I'll take half your output and supply all of your grain. You can trade the rest of your output for your other needs or drink it yourself for all I care. Is this an acceptable offer? Very acceptable, sir. It was at the good end of what Benny had told me to expect. Excellent. If you trade directly with my men or at all with my enemy army, I will hunt you down and kill you. I hope that won't be a problem. I expected as much, sir. Very good. You may go now. Sir, there's an acquaintance of mine in your camp. I was wondering if I could see her. Who, who is it, son? Kath, H.U. Mark 12, 116 Diego. We don't go with all that unit mark shit in here, but I know who you're talking about. That's our cryptographer. Yes, sir, that was her field of study. Well, now it's her occupation. If you want to refer to her, she's Lieutenant Kath. I'll remember, sir. An officer escorted me to her tent. She was surrounded by notebooks. <coughs> Walt, she exclaimed, what the hell are you doing here? I told you I couldn't live without you. Yeah, but don't tell me you joined the war at the last minute. What are you doing? I found a gig. I'm trading alcohol. In fact, I just cut a pretty good deal with your commander. And where are you getting alcohol in the zone? A friend of mine is making it.
Well, that's certainly a surprise. Speaking of my commander, not to disappoint you, but I have a serious crush on him. I made a brave little smile. It doesn't surprise me, but as long as we're both here, I can hope. Well, I'm glad to see you again and hope you do well out here, but you're still not my type. Uh, could we be friends at least? Just talk some when I'm out here. I get kind of depressed when I'm away from you. Sure, as long as you don't mind hearing much, I want to get into Commander Scott's pants. Part nine. With our grain supply assured, Benny was also able to crank up the skill in the high year, and we began making frequent shipments to the Blue Army camp and trading with the other civilians in the area. I learned the area around Benny still like the back of my hand. I had multiple routes, some obvious and easy to follow, and others more hidden with switchbacks and hazards. I made a point of exploring the area since my life might depend on being able to run from some better-armed person in the dark with 10 liters of booze strapped to my body. Several times I was stalked, but Benny had given me good advice about how to lose my followers. He'd been doing this himself for a long time and would be doing it alone now if he hadn't chanced upon me when the transport dropped us off. I saw Kath frequently and got updates on her crush. Since the commander was clearly out of her league, I also got to hear about soldiers more on her own level who interested her. Since she didn't see me as a potential sexual partner, I became the platonic friend who got to hear all the things she wouldn't want an actual lover to know. It sucked, but not as much as being entirely apart from her would have. With her commander's permission, I took her out to see the still and meet Benny. Benny was okay with this as long as I didn't show her any of my special hidden paths. Eventually, he promised we would be discovered anyway, although Kath did promise to keep our secret. Good trade was our best defense. So this is the girl you followed into war. Walt, Miss, I'm Benny. Lieutenant Kath, pleased to meet you. Well, I can certainly see why you did it, Walt. He bowed graciously, smiling, and Kath laughed. I love to hear her laugh. Part 10. The first skirmishes of the war didn't go well for Blue Army, but fortunately, Division 6 was far in the rear lines. Kath confided that she hadn't been able to decode a single message, and neither had any of her colleagues in the other camps. Meanwhile, the blue couriers were regularly ambushed, and it seemed as if the enemy could read blue codes as if they were in plain text. Nobody could figure it out. Upon each delivery, the commander gave me a receipt which Blue Farms would honor for more grain. Business was good, and I was seeing Kath regularly, so I was in good spirits, but the commander seemed dejected. Is there a problem, sir? Oh, no, Walt, nothing with you. We're glad to have your trade at times like this. Things aren't going well. Kath is not supposed to tell you things like that. Uh, she didn't, sir. Benny had taught me to lie very smoothly. I hope it's not that obvious. Well, I see a lot. I was wondering, though, why exactly do you fight? What is this whole war about? He actually stood up a little straighter. That's a good question, Walt. Let me show you. Commander Scott led me past multiple sentry points into the heart of the camp. In a small stone building, he showed me a glass disc about the size of a dinner plate. It was obviously filled with electronics, and its outer perimeter glowed blue. 
This is one of the six blue flags. Orange Army has six of their own. As you can see, it's made of glass. I'm told it smashes as easily. The object of the war is to find and destroy all six orange flags before they find and destroy ours. When that last flag for either side is destroyed, all the guns stop working and Bringer returns to take away the surviving losers and set things up as the winners desire. Is, is that it? What more does there need to be? It seems kind of arbitrary. Walt, I've studied the history of the ancients. In our time, there are no villages of murdered men and raped women to avenge, it is true. But at the time Bringer's kind were invented, there were humans avenging things that ultimately happened 3,000 years before. Far back in the mists of time, there was a massacred village, and the survivors regrouped and took their vengeance on two villages, and those survivors came back and wiped out six, and so it went back and forth until neither side even remembered what had started it. And they went into battle with machines that could sterilize the entire zone in a matter of minutes. How is that any less arbitrary than this? I guess it isn't, I said. We fight because it's something humans do. Bringer recognizes that. So we fight for these symbols that if we win, we get the land to use as we wish, and there's nothing abstract about that at all. And if we die, well, there's nothing abstract about that either. Walt, there is a difference between us. You ply your trade and take your precautions, and when things get tough, you can run away. But a soldier does not run away. A soldier stands with his flag, and if death is his reward, then at least it is an honorable death. I see why Kath holds you in such high regard, sir, I said. I know how Kath feels, and I know how you feel about her. She's a nice girl, and she works hard at her job, but her regard is misplaced, and she lacks fire. If I was winning the war, better yet, if I was standing over the smashed remnants of the last orange flag, then I'd be honored by your crush on me, and I might even celebrate by taking her to my bed. But she's premature. I'm not sure how much of a soldier she is at heart. She works hard, as I said, but I think she's watched too many romantic adventures set in ancient times. That made me feel a little better, but not much. Kath, after all, had not had her problem injected into her finger by the bringer. Part 11. Benny and I were doing well, yet it seemed that our fortune rose almost at the expense of blue fortune. One by one, we heard of blue camps being overrun, flags smashed, and soldiers slaughtered to the last individual. The Orange Army seemed to know everything about the blue. Everywhere blue plans were foiled as with foreknowledge, and everything the Orange Army did came as a surprise. Kath was miserable about it since it was her discipline that was failing her army. One day at market, I was approached by a new face. Would you be Walt of the famous distilled liquor? I could be. Well, I'm in the market, and I can pay top dollar. We agreed on a trade and conducted it. You're not from here, I mused. No, these are going all the way to Big Keep on the other side of the zone. Samples and word of your brew have spread that far through trade. Big Keep, isn't that near Orange Camp 6? It is indeed. 
Although I can promise you this isn't for the orange boys themselves. You can trade with one army and the other kills you, or you can trade with both armies and both will kill you. I trade with no army and mind my business. Let someone else piss off the militaries. I see your point. Things aren't going well for the blues. No, and uh, I know why. Do tell. They got a machine up at Camp 6. Makes a horrible fucking clattering noise all hours of the night and day. People tell me it weighs tons, and this chap spent the whole 10 years since the last war building it. What kind of machine? A computer. For the secret codes. It's why the blues can't take a dump with sound without some orange boy looking over their shoulder, and why the blues can't read orange boy codes even with a microscope and a ladder. That's ridiculous. Bringer makes all electronics, and all the computers Bringer makes carry Bringer's personality. And Bringer, this isn't an electronic computer. It's mechanical. Like those nifty guns that keep firing bullets as long as you hold down the trigger. A mechanical computer? Is that even possible? He arranged his purchases on his person and prepared to depart. Maybe you should ask your blue friends that. And he was gone. Part 12. Commander Scott listened intently as I relayed this tale of the mechanical computer. Well, isn't that against the rules, I asked? No. There are no rules once the war begins. If they could figure out how to build such a thing from scratch, then they have every right to use it. The man who did that must be a genius on the order of our ancestors who built Bringer's kind. No wonder we have been so doomed. Uh, at least you know you're compromised. We suspected as much anyway, though we didn't know how. We suspected treachery and executed a few people who, in light of this news, may have been innocent. And we've lost too much. The fifth blue flag was destroyed yesterday, and their massed army marches upon us now. They outnumber us five to one, and their main force will be here in two days' time. It's that bad? It will go down as the shortest war in modern history. We haven't just lost. We are humiliated. I'm I'm very sorry. You, you could surrender. You've been a good ally, Walt. Save yourself and brew another day. I will go down defending my flag. Yes, sir. May I see Kath before I go? Kath isn't here. If you want to see her again, my advice is to go to your camp and hide until this all shakes out. Part 13. I was almost ill with the idea that Kath had been the among those executed in error, but I felt that Commander Scott would have told me if that were the case. I forgot that feeling quickly when I realized I was being followed. Three months of living by my wits had rearranged my priorities a bit. I ducked into a switchback and watched three Orange Army regulars pass with army guns, flechettes, no reloading. I had one two-barrel shotgun. I tossed a rock and made them think I was back along a different switchback. I laid it all out carefully, and within a few minutes, I had them convinced that I had somehow doubled back on them and they headed back the way they came. I kept to my best hidden trails the rest of the way. The area was lousy with orange advanced scouts. I approached the camp cautiously, and then I froze in my tracks as I heard an unfamiliar voice. That's right, 
cunt. I moved the way Benny had taught me, slow and silent. You could die right now, right now. Or maybe not. Then cruel laughter. Coming onto the path, I saw boots, Benny's boots, with Benny's feet still in them, horizontal and limp. Look at me, cunt. Look in my eyes. I took a switchback and caught a glimpse of the clearing through a narrow gap in the foliage. I want you to know that you are about to die. Benny was lying in a pool of blood with many holes in his shirt. He appeared dead. Kath was naked, remnants of her uniform visible in the still fire, hands and feet bound by wire. She was kneeling in front of an orange soldier with the muzzle of his gun in her mouth. Oh, dear Gaia, bring her fuck. Any moment he could pull the trigger and she would be dead. And it sounded like he was about finished teasing her with her own life. I took a loud crashing step back into the pathway and stepped loudly into the clearing. I made a point of looking toward Benny, not past the still where I knew another horror waited. Benny! I shouted as if surprised and I unslung my gun. Then I looked around and noticed the orange soldier and Kath. The gun was still in her mouth. I couldn't do anything while that was the case. A few ounces of pressure, even from a falling corpse, could end her life. You're not invited to the party. If I wasn't busy, you would be dead. Hey, hey, I got no quarrel with you. I'm just the go-to boy. You know, um, uh, that's too bad about not being invited. That's quite a party you got there. She is the enemy, and it's my right to kill her. Yeah, well, I could think of something a little more fun. Right. Before I kill you, do you advise me to fuck her before or after I kill her? Uh, hey, hey, I'm definitely a before kind of guy in that regard. I was backing away, holding the gun, but aiming it away from him. He could kill her and then shoot me before I could bring the heavy shotgun to bear. Her military-issued backpack was across the clearing. It was almost empty, except for something a little too big for it. Something about the size of a dinner plate. I backed around the still, out of Orange Boy's sight, and aimed at the backpack. Please, Gaia, don't let him fire by reflex when he hears the sound. I pulled the trigger. Kath's backpack exploded in shards of glass. A moment later, the orange boy was around the corner, gun drawn, and aimed at me. I had just long enough to wonder if what I had done would work before he pulled the trigger. Nothing happened. His face fell into a mask of astonishment, then horror, as he clicked and clicked again, and his gun didn't respond. Meanwhile, I raised the shotgun. He was a trained soldier, but he reacted to a suddenly dead gun exactly the way a guy might act if he couldn't get it up for a beautiful, willing partner. He was too distracted to realize that he had other means. He was stronger and much better trained than I was, but his gun had failed him. Congratulations, I said. Your side won. Then I shot him in the head. No nifty electronics and my old shotgun told it to throttle down the charge because of the close range. Orange Boy's head exploded in a great disgusting mass of blood and brains and bone, and his body fell almost across Benny's corpse. My gun was truly inferior. It was too stupid to know that the war was over. Kath's arms and legs were bound with wire and she was crying. She hadn't seen her backpack explode with her army's last flag inside, but she had seen me kill the orange soldier. She would never have me know. But it was okay. She was alive. I could at least know that in the misery of my withdrawal. 
I found the wire cutters and freed her. He burned your uniform, but I think I have another change of clothes around here somewhere. I'm sorry about your war, but it was the only way to save you. And I don't care about some fucking flag. I couldn't let him do it. Although her naked body fascinated me, I did the right thing and turned away to look for some clothes for her. I was sick inside. She had risked her life for her flag and I had ruined her mission. Of course, once Orange Boy got around to killing her and searching the camp, her mission would have been over anyway, but I know how people were about things like that. Or I thought I did. I heard her move and turned just in time to be tackled. I went down on my back beneath her, not surprised that she would be this pissed off and thanking Bringer that her weapon had been taken. Her body was heavy and soft and unbearably pleasant to top mind as she held my head and looked into my eyes. Her face was quivering and I wondered idly if it was rage or disgust or despair she was feeling. Then with two words, she let me know. My hero. It was joy. And I knew exactly how she felt. This has been Rite of Passage by Roger Williams. Read by the author for Tommy's podcast. Roger fucking Williams. You did it again, you bastard. That was that was that was brilliant. That was brilliant. I thought I thought what you were gonna do. I thought what you I thought he was gonna kill the commander when she said I have a crush on him. I thought he was gonna go kill her, and then her be disgusted and him be like, "Fuck, what am I doing?" That's beautiful though. Let me uh, rearrange this. Uh, I like that. It's very thing. it's very mopey esque in that it. it it forces you to find a. You can sort. There of, are some very similar themes. Um, re- recreate purpose. Right. Yeah. Uh, the whole purpose of life thing is part of it, um, because in this future world, you know this this is this is the Earth after Bringer repopulates it after the passage home, mm-hmm. and this is the society that it's created. And it obviously has a sense that humans need a sense of purpose. And part of Walt's problem is that he's gamed the game. He understands that uh, work is just make work. Yeah, busy work. So he's not interested in that. Um, The wars are arranged for people who need something a little more exciting. Sure. So it's sort of like LARPing, except you really can die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but the whole the whole thing about how Bringer awakens Walt's need, it's like um, he sees that Walt's biggest problem is that he doesn't want anything. Mm-hmm. And so he arranges for Walt to want something. Mm-hmm. Walt doesn't want to want that thing. But, you know, that's the thing about chemical reactions and hormones and shit basically bring a reawakens the imprinting mechanism that yeah. gives us all our sexual orientation when we're young yeah. and in overdrive yeah so now walt has something to do yeah and uh when i f- was writing it I had in mind an afterward that would show Walt and Kath living on an estate in California where he had become a world famous distiller, where he was carrying on Benny's art uh, sort of to, you know, because he's going to partly blame himself for the fact that Benny died. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like he brought Kath to their camp. Yeah. Um, But on the other hand, he can honor the guy. I mean, 
Benny was obviously old. Yeah. You know, he had been to like five or six wars yeah. there at 10 year intervals. So, uh, by carrying Benny's art forward, he could honor his tutor. And of course he would have a big head start because the story would be for those people living on earth in that time, the way that he ended the war that year would be big news. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole thing would be like the romance of the ages. And yeah. so everyone will want a taste of his liquor that he's distilling using yeah. Benny's recipes and yeah. stuff. So he would, he would have a head start there. And so he wouldn't be living in this minimal space anymore. Yeah. Like, Ro- like he is. The beginning Roger, I'm going to go, I'm going to go pee really quick, but I do have a lot of points I want to come back and talk to about, but I was, was going to sound, I had a feeling you might. <laughs> was, yeah, I'm, I, it, it just, yeah. But no, I was going to say it has a lot of elements. Of, I'll get into it, but a lot of elements of Mopey and like, Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's um, death jockeys, force, forcing that, that purpose, giving yourself, like, fucking yourself so you have to work hard, right? It's, mm-hmm. that's kind of, yeah, right. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyone's interested, uh, I know to do this now, even though Tommy didn't say so, um, you can get... Uh, the Metamorphosis Prime Intellect and the Passages stories from Amazon.com, either in paper format or ebook uh, for your Kindle or EPUB. Um, but if you want a paper copy of, of Mopi in particular, I encourage you to go to Lulu.com and buy it from them. They have to charge the same price. Uh, because of the contracts but because they're the original publisher they don't take amazon's cut and so i get a lot more of the money just saying uh, but if you got an amazon gift card buy it from them i'm cool with that Yeah, so it's it does seem to have oops it does seem to have um, I don't know how to word it. it I mean it's, it's it's a forced give yourself a goal without a way out and it and it, it's it's like the worst thing to admit and acknowledge because it's like we're always trying to run from it but I mean and I say this very generally but like a struggle and a goal it sweetens life and that's very easy for me to say as a you know college educated healthy individual with you know and not everyone else in the in the history of man that has struggled but like you want there's got to be something like even with this podcast mm-hmm. I've thought like I'm glad I have this because even if I won a billion dollars tomorrow, like I want the thing that money can't buy. Like I want to turn this into something bigger, right? And like max it out or learn, pick up an instrument, learn to play it. There's something about yeah. struggle. Well, when when we had the uh, the text conversation about uh, romance and stuff mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking about uh, this story 
and how this would probably resonate with you mm-hmm. uh, because because there are a lot of themes in here that I know have touched you uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that whole sense of purpose thing. You know the the, the with the podcast and mm-hmm. all uh, that that's kind of your way of forcing a thing that yeah, you know it's like yeah. So uh, and when you come down to it, uh, Walt's complaint that it seems kind of arbitrary. Is really true of everything. Yeah, um, you know, uh, living itself is kind of arbitrary, and and yeah. the the final analysis. So it's like, why do we try so hard? Yeah, and it's because of symbols and tokens mm-hmm. and you know biochemical reactions, feelings mm-hmm. that don't always make a lot of sense. Um, you know. One of the things about uh, your guest, the red pill guy, mm-hmm. was, you know, there there was, as, as is often the case when someone is, uh, when I would say very wrong about a lot of things, there's a lot of things that are half true in the way that he's evaluated the mm-hmm. situation. Um, and so, yes, it is true. I think that most people pair up and marry too young without thinking too much about what the other person wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Elaine and I met, uh, she had a, a couple of friends who had lived together for 10 years and they knew that they disagreed about having children. She wanted kids and he didn't. And they got married anyway. That was not a good idea and it did not work out. Mm. Um, there's a line in the story I just read where Bringer says, well, you, you have to be enough alike to get along, but also different enough to interest one another. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the zone that I landed in with my wife. Yeah. We're, we're very different people, but we're also, you know, we're similar enough that we're not constantly fighting, Mm. but we're also different enough to interest each other to fi- to be coming up with things that uh the other wouldn't have done or couldn't have done um so i think that's sort of the magic uh formula there yeah um and i think that you know most people they 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 don't really think it through before they get married uh you know, because because they take it for granted. Well, you know, what we're supposed to do is get married and have kids. And I've had people. Uh, I had an, an old woman one time, who was a one of uh, one of my customers, in fact, uh, who just idly asked me, "Do you have kids?" And I was like, "No, uh, we uh, we we uh, we don't." Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." And I was like, "Oh no, don't be sorry. This was a decision. My wife and I." got together because that was one of the first things we agreed on was mm-hmm. that we didn't want kids. Everything else flowed from that because uh, in the early 80s and late 70s and all, that was a very unusual thing to yeah. admit. Most people wouldn't have even admitted to not wanting children. Yeah. Uh, so for us, that was like, okay, this person. And and then we started sorting out the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this woman was like, but, 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 you know, it was incomprehensible to her that I didn't want children. She was like, but, but don't you want a legacy? Where's your purpose? Who's going to take care of you? What about holidays? And it's like, that's not where I 
that's not where I derive my value. Yeah, well, it's like I have built thousands and thousands of industrial machines that do things that are useful. Mm -hmm. So I feel that uh, I have probably earned my oxygen that I've consumed while I'm on this world. let alone what I've written and all those. Here's, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I, I don't need kids yeah. to do that. And this is not necessarily a very good time to be bringing, I'm bringing new life into the world because there is plenty of human life on this world already. Yeah. We should be making it more productive and comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, That's, yeah, uh, it's a little topsy-turvy to, and it, in my personal opinion, obviously it's not an objective, but it's a little too topsy-turvy and uncertain for me to, you know, it's one thing if you bring someone into this world when things are relatively good, like I was born in 1990, no one foresaw 2020, like, you know, or, or, or 9-11, right? But to me, it's like, a, to me, it's... It's it's almost a form of irresponsibility, in my opinion, for me to bring someone into this world when like I don't have the money to take care of them. And it's like I look at this world and I'm like, I, I can't bring someone in here, raise them and be like, yeah, so um, sorry, it's shit. It was actually pretty shitty before I even decided to have you, but I figured, fuck it. And um, sorry. And then I flatline. No. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's it's, just my two cents, but obviously. It's, yeah, I mean, that, that is, it, it, it is a matter of responsibility, I think. And, yeah. you know, it's, we have 10 billion. I mean, when, when I was a kid, I remember my, my first estimate that I heard of, of the human population of the earth was 4 billion. Mm-hmm. That would have been in the early 70s. Yeah. And since then, it has climbed to 10 billion and still going up. It's, and that's is it fucking nuts. I thought it was like eight billion. Oh no, it's ten right now. Uh huh. Are you sure? Pretty, yeah. Um, you can always tell, look it up on the magic Google machine. On the, I thought it was. I thought it just crossed like eight. No, I think it's already reached ten. Let's see. Either way, it's pretty or, fucking. Or either bad. way, it's a fucking <laughs> lot. Whether the number is four, five, or ten, when you're using billions, it's. Yeah, on a planet whose carrying capacity comfortably is probably like 500 million. 7.8 7. is 2020, as of 2021. Oh, okay. I know yeah. there's been like 105 total. That's the estimate of Homo yeah. sapiens. There's been 105 billion. Yeah, well, there's a lot of variance in that because there's so many yeah. question marks. Yeah, in and history, who the fuck knows yeah. if it's actually 7.8? I mean, the margin of error for that is, I mean, it could be plus or minus. 500 million like yeah easily because because so many places don't really have good record keeping um another one i was going to check but what is it today hold on i was checking because yesterday that's insane yesterday morning elon musk's net worth with was 208 billion today it's 194 but because he surpassed bezos like a week ago (laughs) <laughs> and I was just thinking of billions and I was like, let me check. But yeah, we sort of created like, we should create like baseball cards for billionaires. 
Well, and you know, there there have been uh, the, the the idea of letting people get this rich at all is a relatively modern thing. Yeah. Uh, when corporations were first invented um, in the 16th and 17th centuries, they were chartered mm-hmm. by the government to do certain particular things. Mm-hmm. And if you were chartered to import tea from India, then uh, that didn't mean you could just go off and start doing aerospace or whatever the equivalent might be in that time. time. You know, you had a particular purpose and uh, it was right. This idea that a corporation is a person and has the rights and privileges of a person is fucking stupid. Yeah. And it's been abused in all the worst ways that you could imagine that idea being yeah, abused. Yeah, corporation's not a person. Yeah, it's, I think that's 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 something I think every we can all agree on. It's like it's yeah, not except except for the people who own corporations. Of course, they, uh, they have of a problem with this for well, some strange reason. Because it gets odd. and they have all the money. Well, I was about to say. Well, it's also odd because when a corporation <laughs> becomes a person, the next default is money becomes speech. Now all of a sudden, you, uh-huh. you get more speech than others, and it's. But, what I want to know is if a corporation is a person, uh, who puts the corporation in jail when they commit murder? Well, there, yeah, I was going to say, because you can't charge it as a person, right? You can't. Yeah, you know. it's not. So they have all of our rights, but they don't have any of our liabilities because there was a, we're a comedian you know, that made a point on that. He was like, you know, when people like download music or they like steal shit or they buy like, you know, bootleg versions of it. And people are like, you're ripping off this corporation. Someone's like, look. You can't call a corporation a person and then allow it to not be held as a person. If you're gonna do those if you're gonna do that contradictory thing, well there's a third thing. You can't expect other people to treat it as a person then. So if they mm-hmm. if they steal copyrighted versions, sure, illegal, maybe not ethical, but you're no one's no one's playing the world's tiniest violin for you. <laughs> like right. you know, it's like Exactly. Hey, you know, it's you kinda of pick and choose, right? It's Yeah. I mean you I, I know I do, like always have just like a certain more level of respect and i you know i I am pro corporation i think they're they're badass there's a lot of flaws to them but even little things like you ever go to like a little mom like there's 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 no doubt that that, the corporations and governments have done fantastic things for our species but they can also be abused Yeah. yeah and Right Absolutely. now, we're in an era where there is nothing curbing those abuses. Yeah, they 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 have taken over control of the situation to such a degree that they are now uncontained. Yeah, and do think, uh, do you think that's bad? A, do you think we need a Teddy Roosevelt esque breakup of, of, any, of, of any of the huge ones? Well, I think it's uh, ever since the 6th, it's been dawning on people that probably Facebook and Twitter and a few of those guys need to have some controls put on them. Yeah. Uh, and, and they've realized it, too, which is why all of a sudden, within like 24 hours, all these entities got the religion and suddenly decided that Trump's uh, account should be blocked. Yeah. I'm like, you yeah. know, well... It would have been nice if you had thought of that a few months earlier before yeah. all of this shit happened. Yeah. Um, 
you know, it's like, yeah, we have to have six people killed and a mob descend on the Capitol and uh, legislators in fear of their lives. Yeah, it, it, but it, but it's, it's shaking out in weird ways, though, because it's like all of a sudden Mitch McConnell, of all people, is like, fuck Trump. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, if I was Trump, that would probably worry me more than anything else. Sure. Because he, he, you know, it's like, this is the guy who wanted to go down in history as the Grim Reaper, who basically put a tamper on all that Democratic bullshit and held the line. Sure. And instead, now he's like the second banana guy in the era of Trump when everything went to shit at the 11th hour. Yeah. And and plus, he was in the Capitol when the invaders were storming it, and I don't think he was real happy about that. Yeah. I, I don't... I don't think he has too many good feels about that. That's yeah. just this, you know, and it's funny how someone who can be the most reactionary uh, person in the world, you, know, you threaten their life and suddenly their whole worldview can change. Oh, yeah. And the- <laughs> yeah. I think who was it that was like, man, suddenly all these politicians are pro police. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, the. It, 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 that that the whole thing yeah. was crazy, and uh, I don't think that, that we haven't even seen the beginning of the fallout yet. No, uh, no, that they went way too far. Yeah. Um, and the strange thing is, they don't seem to really have any idea. Yeah, it's like, do you not understand? Yeah. What you did there? Yeah, that's like as I told you, like I was standing there, and like as crowbar started to go through windows, like you can hear on the video that I'm taking, I go, I don't want any part of this. <laughs> yeah, start walking. I was like, this is you're very quickly yeah, stepping is... onto big onto you're very quickly walking into a big crime. It's not what you signed on for at all. You know, no. so you're there just to wave your sign around and express sure. support and sure. shit. Sure. And now there's this guy's breaking, and you didn't even know at the time about the guy with the Molotov cocktails and the guys with the zip ties. Did tell me? Did did, uh, did you see the gallows? No. I mean, it was a crappy gallows. I mean, I'm sure it would have actually worked if they tried to use it. Yeah. Um, so, it was, but obviously, somebody thought that it was serious. Um, there, it, the the one good thing is that all these people they uh seem to have an exaggerated sense of their own importance mm. there's there's something they, they they didn't seem to get about their position in the order of things yeah. it's like they're all surprised now yeah that the cops are coming after them yeah it's yeah. like we're patriots where is like um yeah, it doesn't quite work that way. Yeah, like the person I was up there with, she pointed out. She was like, she's like, I, she's like, I can't, I can't go all of 2020 looking at BLM and Antifa breaking shit and saying like, that's disgusting. That's not how you uh, voice your concerns. Like as soon as windows started breaking, she was like, not, which is incredibly like, 
strong characters. She was like, no, this is the same shit that I've been criticizing, so I can't condone this. And she was like, fuck this. And I was like, word. And like, followed her. Yeah. Like, I was like, that's, you're right. I can't sit here and say, hey, you know what? Killing of George Floyd's bad, but you can't go burn down a courthouse. Like, I can't sit here and then go, but it's okay to break it. Nope, because that's just the same division that, right, kill a village, kill two villages, kill four villages. 3,000 <laughs> years later, we don't know why we're doing it. At a certain point, you got to learn how to eat your slice of humble pie. And you got to go, hey, mm-hmm. that's not right. And yeah. Yeah. But insanity. So. But I also found myself thinking because, like, you know, it's like I was thinking of like net neutrality, right? And everyone's like, we can't, these people can't be throttling, you know, your access based on like their political beliefs and everything. No one argued that they were private companies. But with big tech, now it's their private companies. They can do whatever they want, which, sure, okay. But, and then I saw like Elon Musk with Starlink was like, if these social media platforms are going to censor people, like, then I'm not going to let them use my like satellite internet. And I found myself like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. But I was like, how quickly is it like, this is a game of playing cards? I'm like, my billionaire against yours. And it's like, none of them give a fuck about any of us. <laughs> you know, my liberal friends are like, ha, see that, Tommy? Private companies, Mr. Conservative, they censor the president. And then I'm like, ha. My billionaire is a space baron and he's censoring and it's like, meanwhile, we're both here and like minimum wage still sucks. And it's like, wait, hold on. Are we both being conned yeah. here? <laughs> like, you know? Uh, maybe. Yeah. 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 And then someone's uh, going to get the high ground Elon. They're going to go, ha. And it's like, meanwhile, you know, it's like <laughs> as they run away with 12, 13 figure bank accounts. <laughs> Yeah, and, and 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 the thing is that it's not unprecedented in in history to simply make it illegal for people to be that rich. Yeah, I mean, we look that's, at that's, the effect of tax, and it's not crazy. I mean, this was it was basically the case in the nineteen fifties, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. Yeah, up to ninety percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was just like if you got that much money, you don't need any more. Yeah, I mean, Standard Oil, right, being broken up. He goes Rockefeller and Carnegie uh, mm-hmm. adjusted for today were worth like three hundred and fifty billion and four hundred billion, respectively. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. and and it was like no, nobody needs that much money. And it's it's you do, and it's kind of the all or nothing principle, right? Like I don't, I do agree that something like what we're seeing with like big tech is like at a certain point I think it is dangerous and that needs to be and I don't think that maybe this is my own ego I don't think that makes me a hypocritical person it's like oh Tommy I thought you were all for private I think there is a gray area I think there's something where we can all go hey this game of censorship back and so what am I going to cheer for if Elon creates his own social media platform that censors liberals am I going to be like ha it's like yo we're not getting anywhere we're getting nowhere fast well, and, and yeah, and, and the thing is that you know, really, what uh, a lot of people on the left are clamoring for right now is a return to the fairness doctrine. Sure, and just say that you know, no, actually, having a large communication platform is a responsibility, sure. and that uh, it is a proper role of the government to make sure you're using it in a responsible way. Yeah, uh, just like it's a proper role of the government to make sure that you're not sticking up your neighbor and stealing their car. Sure. You know, uh, the difference between those things is basically among, you know, how many digits uh, of wealth you have. Um, And 
I, I, it's, I, I, I am pretty libertarian leaning mm-hmm. myself, mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to ask yourself, it's like, okay, so if I'm prime intellect or I'm bringer, how do I arrange this? Yeah. And um, I wrote Rite of Passage quite a long time ago, but it kind of represents where my head was with respect to that, because to me, this was uh, something of an ideal society, which looks crazy when you look at the events in the story. But I I really think that uh, there is a case to be made for having these outlets for the people who want to it's like if you want to fire a 50 cal gun mm-hmm. which you have mm-hmm. i haven't which was awesome um, by the way totally awesome yeah, i saw that <laughs> yeah. yeah that was like Woo. why did you put it riding lightning riding the lightning dude it <laughs> when you see that yeah it's just watching that thing go and all of a sudden you're like you're like wow is it's it's it's, it's like are you controlling it Seriously, or... it was very much like the the the, the SR seventy one pilots described flying the SR seventy one. Says yeah. putting a. Uh, Are you riding it or is it riding you? Said, oh, it says like it's like putting it <laughs> putting a leash on a cheetah. It's like sort of you're 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 kind of directing it, right? It's like mm-hmm. you know you're like, you're kind of behind it, like you know it's like sitting on like a hypersonic yeah. missile. It's like. You can like point to the general continent you want to go to, but let's be real. You're a passenger. Yeah. Uh, and and, but, yeah. and the thing is, yeah. Uh, so I had a sense that Bringer would recognize this. Sure. And provide for this need yeah. that people have. Um, and like I said, a lot of people who read the first two stories didn't like Rite of Passage. Mm-hmm. But I think it may have also because it hit a little close to home because a lot of the people in Corrosion were very libertarian leaning. Mm-hmm. And there's a way to read Rite of Passage that is kind of critical of that or, or, or kind of like reduction to absurdity that is this really where we want to go with this? Um, but honestly, I think that's... Um, you know, we don't have, it's not a majority of us that would need this. I mean, the implication in the story is that joining the war is a thing that a minority of people do. Yeah. And most people watch the war on TV. Yeah. And go, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, but actually putting yourself out there and putting your life on the line uh, is not something most people want to do, but there is a critical fraction yeah. of people who do want and need that they 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 need that sense of direct validation that their life has meaning that they have done something worthwhile mm-hmm. uh and that's very difficult when you're in a society of plenty where the big where the machines are doing everything yeah. so you know uh it's like i don't have a problem with that because the odds are that you have eaten at least a few things this week that went across a machine that i built yeah. So, you know, it's like I've I've done my part to make 
the world work. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people don't get that. And I think a lot of those people were in Washington on January 6th. Sure. Um, Searching for something, so, you know, it's like, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I don't need to be there at the Boston Tea Party because sure. I've, but a lot of people that they are searching for that and our society doesn't do a very good job of providing outlets oh well all kinds of things outlets for that but also income it's like what is the problem with universal basic income there you know the idea it was if you see at the beginning of the story walt is living in a cubicle Mm mm-hmm He's living in an apartment. He's basically living on a universal basic income type of situation. Mm-hmm. And it's implied that he's in a block of people who are are like this. So they're not like getting like any privilege or anything. But they the thing is they don't have to worry about starving to death. Mm-hmm. They don't have to go seek shelter. The you know It's like free roam on a video game. Like you don't die but you can free roam for only so long before you're like, this is fun and all. I can do anything I want. But you're like, and then you play What's the, the point. Yeah. And then you play the game on hard where you only have so many lives. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is intense. This is this is mm-hmm. cool. But I, where you come from is it's probably good for that to be voluntary as opposed to life sucks. I have to I have to, you know. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's better if you enter that voluntarily because you realize it's a need that you have than being pushed into it because if you don't do it you're going to starve to death i mean that sucks like going after creating something like this podcast like i was on my way to be a doctor like no one was like fuck you you got to go do this like it was a voluntary death jockey i jumped into this thing and it was like six and a half years of just terror and anxiety no one made me do it. At any time, I could have used my degree. At any time, I could have gone gone to a school. I could have studied up and reapplied to med school. And that is like that is you know that's that's not. It wasn't my. But it wasn't doing. Yeah, it wasn't doing it for you though, was it? No, it wasn't. And it's it was the right. It's it's Joseph Campbell's the you know the hero's journey. It's the the call right the. What is the first one? It's like the call away from like the norm, whatever, right? The call for uh, the call to adventure, and it's life just isn't cutting it. It doesn't necessarily mean that life is bad. It just means that life isn't cutting it. You know, it's great, but eh, you know, eh. So like you got all the money in the world, like <laughs> sure, maybe you try base jumping. <laughs> like you know, it's like you don't have to, but it's like. Perfectly good airplane. Let's yeah. jump out of it. Yeah, it's just like, well, you know, let's go swimming with sharks, <laughs> and it's like, who knows, yeah. you know? But yeah, um, but yeah, like I, I told you beforehand, I'm uh, not feeling super hot, and uh, yeah, I, don't so know, as, I, as... I, I don't know what my next bathroom break is going to be. So let's let's wrap this one up. Yeah. But um, Roger, let's definitely do another one, and um, yeah, it won't be like a two week gap in between. Um. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not playing Revolutionary anymore. That was fun. I played, yeah. I played the well, game. you're also going to want to seriously hear the next story because that's going to be the one that got published. Oh fuck yeah! And probably the best story in the Passages cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's going to be back in the epic scape uh it is bringer's origin story hell yeah so yeah let's do it roger <laughs> williams author of metamorphosis of prime intellect my favorite book will be in the description sticking in the top comment and it's not just my favorite because it's descriptive it's what if you think about it long enough to me it's it's like i remember hearing jocko willing the navy seal one time say on rogan rogan was like where do you think like warfare is going and jocko without missing a beat you could tell he's thought about it he's like well you know once like boston dynamics robots become like fully capable it will be robots versus robots and then it'll be which robot has the better software and then eventually it will be why even use robots just take out their software first eventually it becomes software v software and then it's going to become who can use the software more effectively to fight the others he goes eventually it becomes ai v ai he's like that's where it goes eventually he's like that's not like an mm-hmm. he's like that's not like a, a pro or a negative america that's not like a pro china statement it's just like that just seems like where it's going right and it's what I like about Mopi is yeah. to me, it just kind of seems like that is if you think about like it long enough, if you if you really just kind of sit and mull around the idea of basically radical life extension to the nth degree where you have everything, there is no struggle. Eventually, it's I won't spoil the book, but I think it's I think mm-hmm. you I think you nailed it on the head. And it's not it's not pro or against anyone. It's just it's the most logical it's the most logical out, the most probable outcome you don't have to like it you don't have to agree with it but the reality is is like no i don't like it myself no that was one of the probable. things about it but it's probable yeah right yeah and it's, that's what exactly it is. that was um and and i had uh discussions with people about it. it's like that i didn't like the fact that this you know when i finally figured out how to tell the story of this super intelligent computer and what it did to the human race i didn't really like the way that it came out but it was necessary yeah that it was the only way to complete the story yeah and it was the only thing that made sense yeah yeah everything else would have your own twist on what you wanted it to be right no now uh going back a couple of sentences you know the thing is there is a line in revelation passage which i guess we'll get to eventually because i don't see us stopping this anytime soon uh where uh one instance of bringer tells another well we figured out that the most potent weapon was a 500 gram capsule containing a software vulnerability instead of beam weapons and guns and stuff like that yeah that's what it <laughs> that's what it comes down yeah take yeah <laughs> but let's let's save that for the next one um yeah that's okay. actually for the next one after the next okay. one well yeah. like i said it doesn't matter it's not like we're gonna st- Ro- the only way wa- roger and i will go off the air is thermonuclear war <laughs> right because I don't think I'm going to die anytime soon. I don't think you are. And I don't think either of us are suicidal. So I yeah. can, I would say, right. And then what's the most. Well, likely? I came close six years ago. I had an 85% blocked LAD and I had to have a stent put in. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I was watching my blood pressure. So I saw it coming. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, and the, luckily I was. All, all of the. <laughs> all of the people at the hospital were like, why didn't you bring? I was like, okay, you know, uh, 
Yeah. So, Raj, what, what brought you to us? And it's like, uh, you know, you have a fainting spell or anything. It's like, it's like, no, I felt perfectly normal. But one day I woke up and I took the blood pressure. And it was 190 over 120 for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. It was 190 over 120 the next day and the day after that. Uh, after about a month, which was actually a month longer than it should have took me to make the realization, I realized it was above my pay grade. And I made a appointment with the cardiologist. Um, then uh, he was like, oh, uh, I don't really need to do some tests. He put me on meds to bring my BP down, but it was like, oh, something obviously changed. So let's see what it was. And uh, I was on the treadmill. Doing the VO2. I never, thing. yeah, yeah which I had never done before. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, it's like, uh, okay, uh, well, uh, we're gonna stop this because your blood pressure is 240 over 140 and uh, we're gonna call your doctor. <laughs> and uh, then uh, his thing was, how's Tuesday for your angiogram? And I was like, uh, is there anything less invasive? Nope. Yeah. You gotta no, love. No, you 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 seriously need an angiogram. You need you seriously need to go to the cath lab so we can figure this the hell out. And okay, yeah. and everyone was astonished. It's like I remember after the the procedure, the first time I talked to my doctor, he was like, "We were astonished to see how good a condition your heart was in. You had not had a heart attack. You were in good health. The you know we caught it in time." to stop any serious damage from happening. And I was hearing in the back of my head, this never happens. What is with this guy? No one ever does this. And and I'm just like, um, you know, when I saw that message on the blood pressure meter, it was like a coded message that when I decoded it, it said, you're going to die go to the hospital yeah it's like uh you need to do something about this and what i heard from the medical professionals was they never saw anybody do that before yeah it was like you can't i mean they literally i had at least three people literally say wait all you had was a high blood pressure and you came to us for for all this over that and i was like um it was not a good thing. Oh yeah, you were supposed to do this. It's like, yeah, they tell you, you're supposed to do this. It's like, oh yeah, it was great that you came to us, but no one ever fucking does. Yeah, yeah, it's, (laughs) yeah, it's, uh, yeah. That's one of the things is for a condition of a heart attack. And I don't think they've actually explained it physiologically, but one of the symptoms is an impending feeling of doom. Every once in a while, you yeah. hear stories about people that go in, they're like, and it's not anxiety, right? That's very different. And anxiety sucks in itself, but it's just a feeling of like, I, yeah. you know, it just, and it's not someone that's, you see, that's, that. a spe- that's especially prevalent among women. Mm-hmm. So women, women, for some strange reason, don't seem to have the sharper symptoms that men are more likely to have. And so, yeah, that feeling of doom thing is much more likely to be all you get if you're female. Mm-hmm. Just an and ending feeling of like I something ain't right. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a weird it's a weird thing. Yeah, 
gotta love that sort of calm coolness of uh, cardiologists and cardiothoracic surgeons when it's like there, there was an extended family member of mine that had a heart attack in the early 2000s or was having chest pains and they went there and they same thing put them on like the treadmill we're doing vo2 max and then it was like so why don't you step off and like i thought you said you were doing a couple minutes and like you're, you're good you're good like why don't you uh, take off your shirt and he's like you know you think you're getting stethoscope he's like yeah why don't you t- uh take off your pants you know sure thing sure thing uh just put on this gown and and they, they just the entire time you don't realize, next thing you know you're in the cath lab yeah. well it's like have you ever seen videos of like there's one video where it's like this these this guy out with his wife in like the middle of the ocean and they're on a boat and she's swimming around she's like skinny dipping and he sees like a fin but what he does is he goes, honey, uh, why don't you get back in the boat? And she goes, what? He goes, get in the boat. She goes, okay. She starts coming. She goes, really? He goes, yep. Just, you know, he goes, he stakes completely calm. He goes, why don't you just get in the boat? And then, you know, she comes on and he shows her the video and she's like freaking out. But he stayed calm. That's what these like, that's what the cardiologist, like from the stories I've heard, they're always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, can you just, can you just lay down real quick? Yeah, no. So they're putting you down. They're yeah. like, yeah. So, um, yep. Yeah, if you just, so right now, um, you're going into surgery, um, right now. And, um, you know, basically like they almost waive your rights. They're like, you're, you know, you're in good hands. Yeah. And they're like, wait, what? And down, wake up. And they're like, okay, so you were going to die, but you can't say that to someone with a fragile heart because it's like, are we going to set it off? And it's, I don't think yeah. that's medically correct. So I'm sure there's some doctor listening. It's like, you fucking idiot. But, yeah, you gotta love that. Well, and, well, well, the thing is, then you know, you you've also got the the science. Like, okay, my my dad walks around with a medical notice. He's like in 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 the pocket of his his jumpsuit, sticking up so that you can see medical notice. Okay. That's his DNR. Yeah, and I've read about doctors who had DNR tattooed on their chests. Yeah, because they don't want to go through that whole process yeah so it's you know because they know that the they know what it is recover yeah and the recovery rate is crap and the quality of life factor afterward is not generally good but uh that's the yeah, real I, pill. yeah really you see a lot of you see a lot of doctors that they know they have chemo, they or sorry, they know they have cancer, and they just ride it out. And they're like, "Why are you not getting chemo?" And they're like, "They're like, and, no. and they've done that, nope, yeah." Nope. I mean, nope. eventually, nope. like, they might take pain meds for it, but they're like, "Yeah, I'll take I'm, six and, months walking around rather than six years of chemo, kind of thing." Yeah, there was a a woman, as, as I always get the details of the story wrong, my wife knows the more, but there was a woman in New Zealand who uh, was diagnosed with stomach cancer, fairly late stage. And uh, being, you know, that Australian culture, she just decided to say, fuck it, loaded up a back da- backpack with Jack Daniels and walked out into the desert just to, you know, mm-hmm. say fuck it. And, um, so she did that until she was out of Jack Daniels and she was still alive. So she went back because now she needed more Jack Daniels and nothing else. And uh, while she was there, she said, well, might as well, fuck it, might as well see where the, you know, how far the cancer's gotten. And she was in remission. Yeah. The, because the, it turns out the uh, most cancers can't metabolize alcohol they 
they need glucose. And if you're full disclosure, uh, Roger nor myself are doctors. <laughs> no, but but it was like uh, sure. You know, actually, it's like I I I when I read that, I was like, okay, that's that's where I'm going. I'm just like, I'm not going to do all this shit. Yeah. It's actually a kind of chemotherapy if you think about it, because you're poisoning. You're starving the cancer because it can't metabolize this thing. But you can metabolize it. You can live off of nothing but alcohol for quite a long time. It's not very healthy, but it's also not very healthy to have cancer. So what do you, you know? Again, uh, neither of us are doctors. <laughs> to, to, you got close. Got, you, were, you were on your way. Hey, you know what? Being a physician, <laughs> it, you know, there's, I don't think it's hand grenades, horseshoes and hand grenades. I don't think there's – I think if you got through three of the four years of med school, you could maybe. I got I got in, but I didn't, you know. I got in, but I didn't. You know, I got accepted to the program to become a pilot, but I never became a – it's not like, well, I was accepted to the Delta program. But, but now you're here with your drone going – yeah, I'm like, hey guys, right? It's, <laughs> but there is a story of a guy in Alaska in I think like in the 80s, and uh, found out he had terminal cancer. And he was like an outdoors guy, and was just like, fuck it, you know, I'm just gonna do what I love. And he just went out into the woods, like built his own little thing, was eating berries. But the thing is, is so he's out in like just the most pristine wilderness, eating berries, drinking like boiling off like river water, like snow melt, glacier melt, hunting animals, all the exercise the he ended up living for like 45 more years because it was just like <laughs> just went out and like became the healthy. But like, I don't think that was his intention. He just loved the outdoors. Like he could have very well loved yeah. casinos and cocaine. Like it just, you know, panned out different. Yeah, that probably wouldn't have worked out quite as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But well, I mean, it's like I know I know that I have a I'm pre-diabetic. Mm -hmm. So I know that if I have too many carbs in my diet that I get really sick. Sure. Uh, so. Yeah, to me, this seems really actually reasonable yeah. that you would have these diet. You, know, you, you could exclude something from your diet, and it makes an enormous difference in your health. Because I've always I've already done that. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, but nothing is guaranteed. It doesn't work for everybody. It's yeah. you know, yeah, might not work for you. Might not work for me. Yeah. But I know I know where uh, where I'm going if it ever becomes a point of contention. So yeah, it's like uh, Bill Hicks. He's like, by all means, he's like, be healthy if you want to be. But he's like, you know where people that smoke go, they die. And he goes, you know where non-smokers go, they die too. They die too. <laughs> and he goes, so I figure I'm going to ride this bitch out. He's like. He's like, you know what's a real hell? You go down to hell, and they're all the non-cigarette smokers. And they're all like, well, I just don't want to put that in my body, and I can't even imagine. He goes, that's hell. He goes, you know what heaven is? <laughs> you go up there, and St. Peter's like, it's like, how you doing? He's like, you guys smoke up here? He goes, that's why it's called heaven. He goes, these aren't clouds. This is all like butt smoke. And he goes, he goes, come on in. Hendrix is on harp tonight. <laughs> and just like, he goes, that's heaven. <laughs> hell is a bunch of guys like well you know i would just never put that in my body i'm all about the health i'm all about self-preservation he goes that's fucking hell <laughs> but yeah i was gonna say uh tim dylan yesterday I was just, and then we'll wrap this up but i was listening to tim dylan yesterday and he was talking about how they're finding there's like there's like a 45 percent lower like mortality rate for covid in in smokers yeah and he goes isn't that a weird thing he goes what if like what if the true like 
the end of all of this is like, so if you smoke cigarettes, you're better off. And he goes, wow. And then he pauses and he goes, I'm not a doctor. Please don't yank my YouTube channel. So today when you were like alcohol, I was like, I don't want to get yanked. But um, yeah, it doesn't all matter. Right. We're yeah. all fucking dead anyway. It doesn't matter anyway. We're all dead anyway. I don't smoke. An asteroid hits you tomorrow. It doesn't matter. But yeah, there you are. Let's wrap this bitch up, so, Roger. So anyway, so anyway, when do you want to uh, regroup? Let me pull up my calendar right now. Do 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 elevator music. Um, Mortal Passage. Saturday, this Saturday. Hmm? Sure. What time? Works. What time? Same bat time. Same bat channel. <laughs> same time as today, because I moved today's up like a prick. What? Whatever you want to do. Let's do. Um, let's um, do. Same time next week. Actually, fuck it. 2 p.m. Eastern. 3 p.m. No, 2 p.m. Eastern will be 1 p.m. Central. This is the problem we have. And when I say we, I mean me. (laughs) You're just like, no. We've done this a thousand... You figure yours out. You figure yours out. Then I'll figure mine out. We'll work it out. 2 p.m. Eastern. There you go. 2 p.m. Eastern is 1 p.m. Central. That's cool. You do your witch magic. All right? I'll do this. And... Yeah. Fuck. All right, Roger. Thank you very much, my friend. And oh, one thing I've been trying to do more is shout out because there are three people that donate to the podcast. Kirill. I can't. K I R I L. Kirill. Kirill. AJ. Kirill. AJ and Garrett. Three guys or girls that donate. We're at 26 bucks a month now. It's only been like a month or two. But uh, I decided I was going to start giving shout outs to them. And. Um, as you've seen with the upgrades already, like I will put it into making the podcast better. So yeah, yeah shout out to uh, I, I think you still do need to work on keeping the mic out of the, the frame. field of view. Of your, yeah. 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 It's, it's we're still, uh, we're still crash testing it. I'm still trying to figure it out. It'll be yeah. like all, like all every time things. when I, whenever I set this up, the first thing I do is I turn on the, the camera app mm-hmm. on the computer so I can see what the camera is showing and make sure everything yeah. is out of the, Range yeah. of my face. Wow, I was fucking with it, and I did episode three seventeen the other day, and like I listened to the audio, and I was like, "Oh, that's great!" And then I uploaded it and realized I couldn't hear shit. And everyone that listened, like, they're like, "Hey, man, I can't really hear it." And like, the, and so it's not. So now I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna sit closer." And now it's, but I mean, it's like all the problems with this podcast is. Oh, I had to turn the volume way the hell yeah. up on, on this mic because this this mic is very similar to yours, although not quite as high quality as yours, <laughs> um, but. No, it really wants to be ice cream cone. Yeah. Uh, and using it like this, uh, I had to turn the volume way the hell up yeah. uh, in order to get it to a reasonable level. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming that you don't have any problem with it because you haven't said anything. You I obviously can hear, can hear I can hear you just fine, yeah. Uh, but yeah, part of that is that if I took the mic that I was using on the these piece, this piece of shit yeah. and had it this like it would be like an atomic bomb going off yeah. Uh, so yeah the because the mic both of these microphones are probably directional yeah. and they they really were designed to be used like this yeah no, which I you'll see talking like this, but I don't like that. So I just yeah, and see, and it, it got much louder when you did that, and Hello, also much Roger. clearer. Hello, Roger. Welcome to so, the show. Um, 
So in a sense, we're abusing these microphones by trying to have our cake and eat it too, by having them out of the field. But at the same time, they're better quality microphones than what we had before. So, um, you know, but but if you but if you look at like what Rogan does or or Uh what Lex does or something, you'll see that they they're just doing this and the cameras over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. they do theirs live with people, whereas mine is, I got to be able to, you know. Yeah, I don't think that works for you, though, because a lot of what you do is eye contact yes. and you're you're interacting directly with your yes. Yeah. So that's a different thing. I'm sure if uh, I somehow got it right up under me or something, I could maybe do it, but, you know. I could maybe, yeah. like, put it down here, yeah. here or something, yeah. you know, but... Again, it's, it's trial by fire. Like everything in this podcast, you, there's there's no yeah. one day where something changes. It's you just see it change over a hundred episodes. You're yeah. Like, oh, there a thing happened there, right? It's like watching the tide come in. But it, hey, you got the poof filter mount because you got a professional microphone stand. Because see, my microphone is mounted on a desk lamp stand. So it doesn't have the socket yeah. for the poof filter like yours does. Oh, I just no, so. I, I just I clip the I clip the poof filter onto the microphone. There's no like thing for it. It's like a bracket. Oh, really? Yeah, I just clipped it onto that. I don't think it's right. supposed to be there, but I was just like, fuck it. It's yeah, because because uh, what I got was this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my, mine's got <laughs> mine's got like a screw thing, but yeah, I just. The, the 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 stand is like hardy enough that I can hold it so I just clipped it on I just clipped it on onto the microphone yeah. okay yeah well yeah it's like yeah it, it's all it's all nuts it's just you know whatever works it's that's what this part it's just trial by fire it just we'll figure it out I mean the first <laughs> ones were just me yelling I mean it's still the same thing but it's just like little things just changing your I look back at the first episodes and I'm like oh god it really looks like it's like watching the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show versus like watching like a high resolution concert in 2020. You're like, oh God, it's, you know, it's like the he likes bread and butter, whatever that song was. But uh, obviously that's not the Beatles. But Roger, let's wrap this bitch up. And um, yeah, stay safe, everybody. God bless. Hopefully the aliens will come because we didn't get them in 2020, which I thought was some horseshit. Just throwing it out there to I mean be... the aliens aren't going to come in 2020 when the fuck They're are they going to yeah. come you know what it's that I mean, was our that was our moment and yeah, sir, it, it didn't come like... and it's just you know what to me that was a letdown it's like what Tim Dillon said he's like you know what every time I look up and I see Elon Starlink he's like at first I think it's an, a, a fleet of UFOs and I think that we're about to be subjugated and raped and I get so excited <laughs> he goes and then I realize <laughs> and then I realize it's just stupid satellites <laughs> But, yeah. but thousands of them. Thousands of them. <laughs> Fucking A. Roger, let's wrap this bitch up. And um Yeah. See you next see week. See you next man. See you see you Saturday, Saturday two PM Eastern time. Saturday two PM Eastern. Yeah. Okay. One PM witch doctor time. <laughs> All right, Roger. Take it easy, brother.